Coming up, the latest on the Garage Gate scandal. We now know that the FBI considered overseeing the search for the classified documents at Biden's home in Delaware. The FBI thought about it, but they decided that it would jeopardize the investigation. Somebody explained that to me. So they let the Biden lawyers do the search by themselves and use the honor system. Hey, listen, you promised you checked, right? You checked every single corner, right? Wait, you promised that you didn't find any classified documents. Are you sure you're telling the truth? You cannot make this stuff up. The federal government has run out of money. So now they need to increase the debt ceiling uh, again uh, for, for the 70th time or default on money that it, that, 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 that the government owes. And basically, here's what the conservatives need to do. Led by Kevin McCarthy, they need to use this as leverage and force Biden and force the Democrats to cut spending or else we refuse to raise the debt ceiling. The question is, do they have the courage to do that? Because they're going to get a lot of flack from the media, from the Democrats. What are you trying to do? Tank the country? You're trying to bankrupt us? You're trying to give the, 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 the have, have the country default and get a negative credit rating? So all of that is coming up. A listener reached out and said, that the fact that I ha- I need to condemn George Santos, George Santos, of course, the Republican congressman in Nassau County, who basically made up his entire life's story. I mean, the man is a total fraud and he pre- pretended to be Jewish. Well, we'll get into what he did, but he claimed to be Jewish. That was a lie. He claimed to have grandparents who were uh, survivors of the Holocaust or victims of the Holocaust. That was a lie. So a caller says to me, listen, this does not look good. You look like you're avoiding it because he's a Republican. Uh, so uh, I, and, and the reason that I, and I'm not avoiding it and I will get into it here coming up. And George Santos is a complete fraud. He's a disgrace. I don't care. Republican, Democrat. I hope you know that by now that I try to be look, I'm human, but I try to be as consistent as possible and call out people who do the bad who do bad things, whether whether they're on the right or the left, whether they're Republican or Democrat. Uh, the, the, it's more that he's – it's a local story, and a lot of times I don't get into – you know, we've never gotten into Eric Swalwell. Recently we mentioned him because he's all upset that he and Elon Omar were left off – were taken off, removed from committees by Kevin McCarthy, which is great. Eric Swalwell is literally a, a national security compromise because he was compromised by a Chinese spy, and uh, Elon Omar is Elon Omar. But, but uh, you know, George Santos is not that kind of story. So that's really the reason that – I bet it's becoming a national story. Why? Because he's a Republican and the, the, the margin is so close in the House that the Democrats would do anything they, ca- they could to get Santos and the media to get Santos uh, removed from office, which I don't think is going to happen. So uh, that, that, that's why this became a national story. But this kind of thing happens from time to time and it never makes the kind of headlines when it's a Democrat and, and a Democrat, you know, uh, is this corrupt and this phony and, and, and possibly commits even crimes and viol- ethical violations doesn't get reported in the mainstream media. Ocasio-Cortez is under ethics investigation. Did not get reported by the mainstream media. But it's not because he's a Republican and he fabricated his entire life. So uh, we, we will get into that coming up. The city of San Francisco wants to give reparations to black people. Listen to this. They want to give, I'm not exaggerating, the city of San Francisco wants to give, they made, this is literally a recommendation that they have, that they are on the table considering they want to give $5 million per person to black people who qualify. And there's a bunch of criteria here, but tens of thousands of blacks would qualify for this. They, it, it, they, they need to be – it's two out of like ten types of criteria. One of them is they need to be descended from actual slaves. But one is that they were like living in San Francisco for uh, – from the so, – so they were born in San Francisco or living in San Francisco somewhere between the years 1960 and 1996 or something. And, and it's like two – they have to check off two of the boxes. So – I imagine hundreds of thousands of blacks in San Francisco. Now, they're not going to do this, but the fact that they're even considering it, it means then they're going to say, all right, you know what? We'll give out 
for a black person as reparations. Now, it's not reparations for slavery. It's reparations for being black. So they want to give $5 million per person. Uh, This is the reparation, the San Francisco Reparations Committee to all blacks who meet a certain criteria. And they don't need to be, they could be connected to slavery, but it's literally reparations for being a black person. Can you say socialism? Can you say redistribution of wealth? They're saying that part of it is to make up for slavery, but you don't need to be descended from slaves. Oh, and by the way, California was not a slave state. California was not a slave state, but they're paying blacks, potentially, they're talking about paying blacks $5 million, at least the city of San Francisco, the woke San Francisco, $5 million per person, uh, per black person, uh, if they qualify for these reparations. We will keep an eye on that. A listener asked me about the border crisis. And I don't have the text message in front. This is a listener that we obviously I don't have text message conversations with every listener. This listener reached out to me a number of years ago, and we've actually gotten pretty close over the year. We've never met in person, but we've gotten pretty close over the years. He's spoken a bunch of times. Very, very wonderful young man. And uh, you know, he asked me, "Hey, what's going on with the border crisis?" And he had specific questions which are not in front of me. I, I have my notes over here. Hey, read the text message from this person. But unfortunately, I, I don't have my phone right now. But uh, I'll just give you – basically, he had two questions. Number one, why is there a border crisis? What happened to Trump's wall? Didn't Trump build a wall? So shouldn't that be preventing this border crisis? Number two, he said, what would Trump do differently? Let's say Trump were in office. You have millions of of, of, of illegals coming across the border. Uh, what, what, what could Trump do? And I will answer both questions. And the answer to the second question is simple in the sense that Trump already did it. So I just have to tell you what Trump did. He had this kind of mess before because of Obama. It wasn't as bad as it is now, but it was quite bad. And uh, and, and Trump fixed it without, without, by the way, any help, without any help from Congress or anybody else. So whatever he did then, he could do now. But let me get to the first question. The first question is, what about the wall? So two points. Number one, unfortunately, the wall – Biden dismantled some of the wall. Biden, uh, he, he halted construction on the border wall. And that was one of the first things he did when he took office, of course, because Trump did it, even though Democrats used to support it. But after Trump did it, then, of course, it became a bad thing. Uh, what did Nancy Pelosi call it? Immoral and ineffective. It, it was both moral and effective. But uh, but 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 Biden halted construction. And look, Trump, he built about 500 miles of wall. I'll remind you, he got zero help from Congress. Paul Ryan, the Republicans, they were in charge. They refused to fund the wall. And then Democrats took over. Obviously, they didn't fund the wall, even though Trump shut down the government. Insisting on money, we'll send a hundred billion to Ukraine, no problem. But five billion dollars for Trump's border wall, the Democrats refused. Even Paul Ryan refused, and we 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 we, we criticized him harshly for that. But uh, but Biden, but still Trump with with the military funding and the emergency and all of that, and the, and he kept going to court, and the courts kept ruling in his favor, and people were livid. How could Trump take military funding and use it to build a border wall, which was exactly what Trump should have done and did do, and he did it properly and correctly. But it was about 500 miles of wall. The, the, the border is thousands and thousands. There's, 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 there's water on some of the border, but there's thousands of miles crossing the border, the southern border, U.S. with Mexico, and the border wall only covers a fraction of that because Trump just wasn't in office long enough to build any more of it. Number two, uh, you have to realize a lot of these people that are coming in through ports of entry. Yeah, there's a lot of tra- you know drug traffickers and uh, smugglers and drug cartels coming across illegally, but then there's also asylum seekers, the majority, I believe, of People crossing the border illegally, they're asylum seekers. Well, if they're asylum seekers, then how are they crossing the border illegally? Well, the answer is because they don't really deserve asylum. Asylum isn't because you live in a poverty-stricken country, because because your country, it's very, very sad and tragic. And I don't diminish it that there are countries where 
You know, they, 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 they don't have any economic freedom. They, they have very little, you know, the economy is a disaster. They have very little work opportunities. There are drugs and disease and the, 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 you know, Guatemala, Honduras is not exactly a walk in the park. It's not exactly a picnic there. It's not a, it's not a fun place to live, but the United States can't be in the business of granting asylum to everybody who's living in a, a, a very, very poverty stricken country or, you know, who's very poor or lacks a lot of opportunity. It's only asylum only belongs, is only deserved by people who are being persecuted or people who are in danger as a result of their government or some sort of rebellion or something like that. So the vast majority of people come across the border are asylum seekers. So they actually are coming through ports of entry, but they're being allowed in. Now, they do they qualify for asylum? Of course not. But they're not going to get a real asylum hearing for the next three or four years. And uh, we all know they never show up. And the Democrats will tell you, no, 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 no. 75% of asylum seekers show up for their hearing. That's a lie. Maybe they show up for their first initial hearing. Right, with their, It's right there on the border, like when they first come in. But that hearing is just a formality, and then they're allowed in. And at this point, they don't even have to say – there's a script that they read. They're literally, George Soros has lawyers at the border co- coaching these illegals coming across saying, I need prosecution. I- I'm a refugee. I need political asylum. And they literally just read from the script and uh, say the right words claiming that they, – they don't even know what they're saying probably. But, OK, no problem. Rubber stamp. You're allowed in. Next. And maybe they put an ankle bracelet on them. Maybe they give them a cell phone and tell them they're going to track them. But in most of these cases, we totally lose track of these people. Number two – uh, what would Trump do differently? Very simple. It's called remain in Mexico. That was, Trump had a bunch of different policies. He, you know, he was sending asylum seekers back. They were cracking down. But, uh, you know, Trump's, his main, uh, accomplishment was remain in Mexico where he, pre- he literally pressured Mexico. He pressured Mexico, uh, and, and he threatened Mexico with, 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 with like an embargo. Remember, he basically threatened that he was going to stop doing business with Mexico. And remember, people were furious. How can you do that? We need avocados. You're going to drive up the price of avocados. And Trump said, watch me. Don't worry. Mexico, they're going to suffer much more than us. They're not going to. They're not going to let me actually do this. Actually, freeze trade with Mexico. And sure enough, Trump had the Mexican army. He had the Mexican army protecting the border with the United States, protecting the southern Mexican border with Central America, and protecting the northern Mexican border, north to Mexico, south to the U.S. The Mexicans were protecting it, and the Mexican army, literally, and. The, any asylum seeker came to the U.S., we turn them right around. You got to wait to Mexico and, uh, you know, we'll process your application in the next six months to a year. And, and, and literally people just went home and, and some of them stayed in Mexico. Some of them went home, but Mexico was stuck with the problem. And Trump did that by saying to Mexico, you're the reason. Mexico is the reason. Mexico, the government of Mexico is literally just a puppet regime for drug cartels. Literally, the government in Mexico is run by drug cartels, literally. So Trump said enough is enough. The Mexican government is corrupt, and uh, and they literally encourage people. They don't want these these people staying in, in Mexico, so they encourage people to go across the border. And Trump pressured Mexico, and that literally solved the problem. The amount of illegals crossing the border uh, under Trump after the Remain in Mexico policy was implemented was a tiny, tiny fraction of what it had been and a tiny and a very a minuscule fraction of what it is now under Biden. And he would do the same thing again. And by the way, Joe Biden spoke on Martin Luther King Day. You know, I want to mention this because I heard Bill O'Reilly actually uh, discussing this. And I, I agree with some of what O'Reilly said, but Bill O'Reilly, in a certain sense, he gives Biden too much credit. He doesn't talk about how corrupt Biden is. It's more like, well, Biden is incompetent. You know, Biden is old. Biden is not all there cognitively. But that kind of gives Biden a pass. So O'Reilly said this. He said, you know, because basically uh, Biden, who's supposed to be a uniter, is is as divisive a political figure as I've ever seen. He spoke on Martin Luther King Day 
I guess he went down to Atlanta to Martin Luther King's hometown, and he said, basically implied, he basically told blacks that you're still being discriminated against, that, you know, you're still suffering and uh, you're still victimized by racism. So that's what Biden, essentially what Biden is doing is basically implying, oh, well, white people are still racist and blacks are still not equal. Here we are all these years later, civil rights and everything else, but you're still struggling. You're still experiencing the plight of being uh, rape being victimized by the by, by the white man. That's what that that was the message that Biden, the unifier, said. I mean, you cannot be more divisive than that. Telling black people, hey, white people are still racist and still discriminating against you, and don't fall for it. You think you have equality, which they do, but uh, you know, don't fall for it because you really don't. And here's what here's what Biden said. He said, but but I'm sorry. Here's what O'Reilly said. O'Reilly said, well. Number one, Biden is being very divisive. But number two, let's say Biden is right. He's not going to help the black people because he's incompetent. And that's not accurate. It's not that Biden's not helping blacks because he's and, and Biden is, and Democrats are not helping black people. And I say this over and over again, because getting them to be reliant on government programs, giving them out all this free money, even to tell them you don't have to work. It's OK. We're going to give you all these programs and basically just welfare, just 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 giving them more and more welfare programs is not helping them at all. It's just getting them more reliant on the government, and it just keeps the inequality as strong as can be. Being, you know, getting thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year from the government uh, is is not is not is not does not help a person long term. You got to teach a man to fish. Okay, you can't just keep giving him free fish. So uh, it, these Democrat policies are designed the, the the social programs, redistribution of wealth. It is designed to keep the minorities to keep the minority communities reliant on government and to keep them weak and powerless and to keep them victimized. So the Democrats are the ones, because by doing this, if you would, if, if you would encourage them to work for themselves, to earn a living, to, to value of what it means to be a family, to stay with their families, to take responsibility and support your family, to go out and work, if you would encourage them to do all of that, then, then they would become more successful. They're, they're very capable people. Look at Ben Carson. Look at Colin Powell. Look at Clarence Thomas. So they are, and, and on and on and on. There's, there's, there's many of them. So, uh, so, so what you're doing is you're just you're fostering their dependence and their reliance on the government, and all that does is that actually keeps them at the lowest rung of society, the lowest social, you know, social scale, uh, status. And, uh, and, and the poorest, they, they are the poorest community and they commit a lot of, you know, there's a lot of crime and there's a lot of drugs and, and, and a lot of immorality. That is all because of the Democrat program and drug addiction and, and everything else. So B- Biden and the Democrats, Biden's been there for 50 years. Biden's not incompetent. Biden, he's been there for 50 years and he's one of the leaders of the Democrat party and the Democrat party encourages minority communities to have broken families, to be addicted to drugs and alcohol. And, uh, and, and, and to be poor, the Democrats want inequality. Republicans do not. Trump does not. Trump, Trump actually, you know, helped, uh, he, he had the lowest black and Hispanic unemployment rating, uh, in, in, in history under Trump. But nobody talks about that. So the Democrats are the ones, you know, who want the blacks to stay poor and to stay reliant and, 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 and not the Republicans. That's really the, the untold story over here. And so it's not Biden's incompetence. It's by design. And it's kind of like that with everything. I mean, the Democrats, they manufacture crises because that's the, that's the story with inflation and the border crisis and so many other issues, because without a crisis, the Democrats lose their whole agenda. Their whole agenda is about 
fixing crises is about pouring more money. All right, government has to take over the healthcare system. Now that becomes uh, healthcare spending is literally the vast majority of the government, the, the, the federal budget because of Obamacare and because of uh, Medicaid and Medicare and, and, and all these programs. Well, now it's the climate, right? And now it's the, the Green New Deal and it's gas stoves and uh, whatever other crisis, the, the climate change, and we have to transition to electric. I mean, inflation, inflation is clearly all about transitioning off of fossil fuels, it, socialism, any crisis that they have, they just, no problem, we're just going to raise taxes, redistribute the wealth, get out, give out more money, COVID, they took advantage of that. Same story. If there is no crisis, the Democrats cannot justify spending trillions of our tax dollars. But again, it, this is all by design. And, and another egregious part of all this is that if you look at the border crisis, the amount of fentanyl that's coming in, drug trafficking, human smuggling, etc., and not to mention all the people in the detention centers, the border right now, Biden went and visited and they – sanitized the whole thing, and they cleaned, they cleared out the detention facility that Biden visited. Eric Adams just discovered, Mayor Eric Adams of New York, who says, by the way, we don't have any room. New York City doesn't have any room. We're, we're, out, of, we're, out, we're out of space. We don't have the resources. We can't handle all these, all these illegals. doesn't call them that, but that's what they are. So uh, why on earth don't we shut down the border at this point? I mean, literally, you have Sanctuary City saying, listen, we're, 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 we're filled to capacity. And yet they still let them come in. Well, where are these people going to go? These people, they don't have food. They don't have housing. If they can't go to places like New York City, Washington, D.C., and Chicago, where can they go? Texas, Florida. So, uh, and by, and the ones who are living actually who are at the border in these facilities for weeks and weeks waiting to be processed, they're living in squalor. They're living in miserable conditions. It's torture. And, and, and Biden, and then there's all the drugs and all the violence. And like I said, the fentanyl, which is killing American teenagers. So Biden created that crisis. It's, it, it really, really is just inexcusable. All right. A woke college professor says that bringing cake into the workplace to share with your coworkers is as dangerous as secondhand smoke. You cannot make this up. This is literally the, the uh, this is the head of, this is not just a college professor. This is somebody in the UK. She's a top official. At the UK's food regulator. So it's kind of like similar to the, the FDA in America. And she says, oh, bring a cake to the workplace is as harmful as secondhand smoke. And this is the woke leftist mentality. Here's a quote from Susan Jeb, chairwoman of the Foods Sta- Food Standards Agency in the UK. Quote, if nobody brought cake into the office, I would not eat cake. But because people bring cake in, I eat them. We like to think we're rational, intelligent, educated people. Uh, and we, uh, uh, and yet we undervalue the impact of the environment. And she said, quote, with smoking, we eventually, after a long time, we understood individuals have to make some effort, but we make their efforts more successful by having a more supportive environment, but we still don't feel that way about food. I mean, so essentially what she was saying was, uh, th- this is bringing food into the workplace, cake and unhealthy food is like secondhand smoke because what you're doing is now, there's an obvious difference. Okay, I'm, I, I actually oppose secondhand smoke in a lot of scenarios because secondhand smoke, if you're in the room with somebody who's smoking and you're inhaling the secondhand smoke, there's no way to avoid it. If somebody brings a piece of cake into the room, there's a very simple way to avoid it. And look, I know people struggle. I'm not diminishing. I know people struggle with overeating and you know we all can relate to it on some level, but I understand for some people it's a real health struggle where – you know, they eat more than they should or they eat the wrong things and it can be very unhealthy. So I'm not diminishing that in any way. 
but don't blame the person who's bringing the cake in to the, you know, it's not exactly like an alcoholic walking into a bar. We're surrounded by food and people have a right to bring in food. There is a concept of personal accountability and this mindset that like I'm doing something wrong. You want to say, listen, once in a while, there's somebody who's really struggling and you need to be sensitive. And it's kind of like alcohol addiction. And maybe, hey, listen, don't go and bring the liquor. And even that, by the way, there are alcoholics out there who recognize, hey, listen, people have to live their lives. So I can't go and control society and say, don't bring alcohol within a thousand feet of me because otherwise I'm not going to be able to resist. You need to figure out coping skills. You need to figure out ways to address it. Again, not to minimize what people are going through, but this notion that like, all right, listen, somebody's struggling with something. All right, all of society has to just totally inconvenience themselves and completely revamp their their, their own uh, lifestyle because just change the culture because this one person is going to struggle if you don't. Well, no, the one person needs to decide. You can't tell the entire workplace no more bringing cake in for lunch. Uh, all right. So as I said, the debt ceiling uh, is now being debated, raising the debt ceiling. We literally on Thursday, uh, the, the gov- federal government literally ran out of money. And now they need to raise the debt ceiling, which is already what, $31.4 trillion, uh, or else the government is going to default on its debt, uh, on thing, on, on the money that it owes, which is obviously a lot, you know, a lot of different things that the federal government pays for. A, a lot of them are, you know, th- that includes federal employees. And by the way, I don't think there's a government shutdown over here. I think if the government defaults, the government still stays open. Um, they won't be able to pay certain salaries, maybe of federal workers. But we're not talking about a government shutdown. A government shutdown is when they can't pass a budget. Here, there are expenses that are there. It's just a question of where they're going to find the money. So it's it's a default. I don't think there's necessarily a government shutdown, as I understand it. But either way, they need to raise the debt ceiling. A government of and look, the government's not going to default, folks. I just want to mention. There is not going to be a default. The government, they are going to figure this out. Congress, they, they will figure this out. The question is if the Republicans use this as leverage to finally cut spending, which is totally out of control. So it, it, there's a fight now between basically Kevin McCarthy and President Biden, you know, because the Democrats really have no power in the House. M- McCarthy holds all the cards. So will they raise the debt ceiling? Will they hike the debt ceiling? And here's going to be the question. Is McCarthy and are the Republicans going to say, listen, we're only voting to raise the debt ceiling uh, if you give us big spending cuts? Because basically they need to borrow right now from China or they need to issue bonds or – by the way, the government prints money. The government literally lends itself money. It, it sounds like it's a joke, but uh, believe it or not. But the government needs permission to do this. Right now we reach the debt ceiling limit, which is $31.4 trillion. So if, if Congress doesn't raise it, the U.S. is not allowed to borrow any more money. But they borrowed from themselves. Literally the Treasury will print the money and lend it to itself at an interest rate. You can't make it up. It's nuts. But that – but they only can do that – uh, if they, they could print money right now, but there's a limit to how much money they can print without just totally tanking the economy. So what they do is they they print it, but then the then the government borrows it and then it's owed, which whatever the you know economics are behind that, but it's pretty ludicrous. Right now, the current debt the debt's out of control. I mean, we're paying like four hundred billion dollars a year just in, which is like almost a tenth of the total federal budget just in interest payments, which is. Insane. And the current debt exceeds total GDP by 120%, 120% of GDP, the total, the, 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 the current debt. So, which is a lot. It's, it's, it's never, the debt has never been this high compared to GDP. Um, so the only options are over here 
if if the government if they can't do a debt ceiling hike, then either we default, but that's not going to happen, or the government will print a, print a lot of money, and that'll make inflation even worse than it is, or they'll raise taxes. But even raising taxes is not much of an option, obviously, because you need the Republicans. Um, now we had we uh, of the six point two trillion dollar federal budget in twenty twenty two, interest payments were four hundred and seventy five billion dollars, way above what the White House projected, which would have been $357 billion. Now, here's my point. Here's the point about the debt ceiling hike. And that is that if the Republicans try to put up a fight and say, we're not raising the debt ceiling unless we cut half a trillion dollars in spending or, you know, whatever, COVID relief programs or different programs or money to Ukraine or whatever they want to cut, right? There's so much money that needs to be cut. There's so much waste. Now, the media is going to have a meltdown, okay? The media is going to crush the Republicans and demonize the Republicans. And the Republicans, they really got to stand strong. And this is what I'm worried about is that the Republicans are going to cave in, but it's going to be tricky, remember, because there's such a small margin, they're going to basically need all the Republicans to vote in favor of a debt ceiling hike. So that includes Marjorie Taylor Greene, that includes Jim Jordan, and, you know, and a lot of the, the very strong conservatives, the House Freedom Caucus. So that's the issue is uh, the, uh, McCarthy and all the Republicans, they have a margin of what, four, five, six in the House, something like that. They need basically everybody except for a couple of holdouts. So that's the question is even if the media says, oh, look, at the, and they're already starting the media and, and the Democrats. Oh, look at these evil Republicans. They want us to default. They want to hurt the American credit rating. This would be catastrophic. It would be catastrophic, by the way. Default would be catastrophic. I agree. But that's why the Democrats are never going to allow a default to happen, which is why the Republicans have to stand strong and use this as leverage. Because what's going to happen? The, the the media is going to be talking about how look at these Republicans; they don't want to pay you your social security stamp uh, checks. They don't want to pay. They don't want to give out food stamps. They want the, the the country to be bankrupt, and then all the little people are going to suffer. The minorities, the seniors, the elderly. That's what they're going to do. They're going to make it as though the Republicans are the bad guys because the Republicans want to actually cut spending. How dare they? And the Republicans are willing to default on our debt. We can't default on our debt. That's catastrophic. The Republicans have to say, instead of cowering in fear and saying, oh, boy, this is really bad coverage. You know, the media is really, really crushing us over here. They have to call the Democrats bluff and they have to say, listen, they have to tell the story and do a better job of explaining that the Democrats are the bad guys because the Democrats are the bad guys because spending is out of control and they just keep borrowing more, borrowing spending, raising taxes, borrowing spending. That's all the Democrats keep doing. And it's addict. It's an addiction. I always say this, that the Congress, the Washington establishment, and both sides, by the way, both sides, Republicans, too. That's the secret. Nobody wants to tell you many Republicans, not all of them, but many Republicans. They also secretly like the spending. They bring it back to their own personal district. They are pro spending that there's a reason that it happens under Republican rule and under Democrat rule, because both sides love to spend our tax dollars. But the Republicans right now have to take this and say, listen, we are only raising the debt ceiling. We'll agree to debt ceiling hike, no problem. But we want to cut five hundred billion dollars in spending because spending is way out of control. And that and, and then the Democrats and the media, they're gonna go crazy and start saying, Oh, the Republicans, look what they're trying to do here. They're trying to hurt the country. They're trying they they don't want you to get your 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 your, your welfare. They don't want you to get your Medicaid benefits, your social security benefits, your food stamps. They're trying to hurt you guys. And the and the Republicans have to explain, no, 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 no. What's hurting you is the fact that we're spending like five and a half trillion dollars a year. And Biden is bragging about the fact that we lowered the debt. We lowered, the, I'm sorry, the deficit. We lowered the deficit to just $1.6 trillion a year, which is nuts. All right. So garage gate. We now know that the DOJ considered having the FBI monitor the search for documents at the Biden home, but the DOJ decided this is a bad idea. It would compromise the investigation. So you got Trump being treated 
like Benedict Arnold, but uh, with an FBI raid in, in his house. They're going through his closets, his kids' drawers. Literally. They literally went through you know, Baron Trump's drawers and, and closets. But Biden, it's just like Hillary. All right, we trust you. We pro- you know, as long as you promise, as lo- you know, use the honor system, no worries. And officially, their reason is it makes no sense. The DOJ decided it would preserve their ability to be tougher later uh, if they eventually needed uh, to issue a search warrant because Biden was not cooperating. If the negotiations turned hostile, it would be they'd be in a better position if they started off soft and friendly and say, you know, cozy up to the Bidens and say, listen, you guys handle it yourself. Um, and because Biden was cooperating with the DOJ from the beginning, they were cooperating because they said, hey, guys, we have documents that we just found in the closet somewhere. So we're going to so we're cooperating. How does anybody know they're cooperating? Look, look around, by the way, the DOJ, Merrick Garland never said the Biden lawyers are cooperating with the investigation. What, everyone keeps uh, uh, reporting that as fact. Biden's cooperating. His lawyers are cooperating. It's not like Trump. I, you know how many Republicans I heard say this? Republican commentators say, oh, well, Trump, he didn't cooperate. He refused to hand over things for over a year. But Biden's cooperating. Well, number one, if Biden's cooperating, why do they appoint a special counsel? Well, you tell me, OK, media pressure, whatever. How do we know Biden's cooperating? First of all, they keep finding new documents. How is that cooperating that they, they didn't thoroughly search the garage for two and a half months? Where's the cooperation there? And of course, the White House is going to say they're cooperating. Even the White House's own account, by the way, makes them look extremely corrupt and extremely guilty. And that's their own account. That's like that's with the spin with the, 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 the that's supposed to make it seem like they did nothing wrong. That's how bad this is, is that even the White House version is bad. But this idea that, like, we're just accepting it, that, oh, yeah, they're, well, they're cooperated with the DOJ. Why? Because because Biden told you? Because Karine Jean-Pierre told you? And now, by the way, she's remaining silent. All the transparency they promised. Now she's just saying, listen, speak to White House counsel. Speak to White House counsel. This is bad. I don't think we've even touched the tip of the iceberg over here. I think this is another Watergate. I think that when you and, – and, and, and I don't think the Democrats even care because they don't want Biden to run for the re-election. So they're throwing him under the bus. So they're going to let Biden take the fall, and things are going to keep dripping out. And we're going to – I mean, Hunter Biden, now we find out, is like quarantine during covid in the house in the garage with these documents uh, and uh and hunter biden's on china's payroll so this whole thing is a disaster for for biden we we, we ain't seen nothing yet but i love this how the, the, we don't need the fbi there because they're cooperating how on earth do you know that they're cooperating well they told us that they've been cooperating so i don't believe that for a second i i think they have an awful lot to cover up uh a caller asked me i just want to make this point here um why was biden's removal of the documents not considered we keep telling you how trump declassified the documents just by taking them out of the white house as president when biden took the the documents and put them in his closet in his garage why was that not considered declassifying very simple because biden was not the president remember biden got these documents when he was vp and he took them out these documents have been in biden's property in his possession since 2017 when he left office as vp okay he only became president in 2021 so he's had these these documents for years. So by definition, the vice president has no authority at all and certainly no authority to declassify any document. Trump had the authority. That's why, you know, the, the media is like equating these two stories. These two stories could not be further apart because Trump had the ability to declassify. Whether he did or he didn't is a technical legal question. But the fact that he had it, uh, it makes the crime much, much, much less if, if, if there is a crime at all. Whereas what Biden did, he had zero authority to declassify anything. That's the answer. Uh, Business Insider pointed out the massive discrepancy between Biden's discovery of the documents and alerting the DOJ. If you look at the timeline, this timeline here, let, let me let me read this to you. Um, and this is literally Business Insider is actually a pretty leftist, biased uh, publication. But here's what they say. They say the timeline contains significant gaps, considering the fact that it's supposed to be cooperating. 
They say either the White House took its time coming forward about the batches of documents or it inexplicably delayed the relatively straightforward matter of searching for the materials for over a month. 48 days elapsed between November 2nd when the initial batch was found in Washington, D.C. and December 20th when Biden lawyers notified the DOJ about an additional batch found in the garage. The White House did not say when the Wilmington garage was conducted, the search was conducted, but there was a major, major uh, uh, drag over here. They dragged this thing out, a major, major delay, which uh, that's either Biden's team was slow in their search or in notifying the DOJ. Either one is bad. The second gap is 23 days between the discovery in Wilmington in December and the third discovery. We told you this, by the way which the DOJ just learned about the third discovery just a few days ago. And Business Insider emailed the White House and said, well, can you explain this delay? You know, why it took so many days if you're supposed to be cooperating? How long does it take to search a garage? It took months to search the garage. The whole thing makes no sense. And I want to read you an op-ed here from John Nolte on uh, Breitbart because he put it really well. I'll read some excerpts over here. Quote, the classified documents in Trump's possession were secured in one single place. He's going through the differences here between Trump and Biden. In one single place, uh, in Mar-a-Lago, guarded by the Secret Service, the National Archives had an inventory of the Trump documents. They knew what Trump had. They negotiated their return. If as pre- uh, Trump as president had the power to declassify anything for any reason at any time. So in summation, for one year plus, Trump and the National Archives knew what Trump had. Uh, they knew that Trump had it secure in one single location in a building secured by the Secret Service. That's pretty safe. That resulted in the fascist FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago and hiring a special counsel to investigate what he calls the bad orange man. The whole Trump scandal is beyond stupid and an obvious attempt by the fascist A.G. Merrick Garland to stop Trump from beating Biden in 2024. Uh, Not so much with Biden, what he calls his fraudulency. First of all, the Biden documents have so far been found in three separate unsecure locations, um, Washington, the Delaware home and the garage. Uh, Side note, are we supposed to really believe that someone as dumb as Joe Biden had both a think tank and a library? Because, by the way, they were found in the think tank and the library. I'll bet both the library and think tank have pinball machines and a soda fountain. Again, I'm quoting here from Nolte. There is no less secure place in a home than a garage. How do you like the thought of America's secrets um, blowing around an abandoned office? Regarding the power to declassify, Trump had that power. A vice president uh, does not have that power, or, or, or at least the question is much murkier. Um, the National Archives knew what Trump had, and the documents were secure by the Secret Service. Biden's documents were scattered. We did not know what he had. Biden himself was surprised, so he had no idea what they had. So the National Archives certainly did not know. And worse still, um, Hunter Biden, we now know, was renting his father's Delaware house for what he wrote was $49,000 a month, even though it's not, that's not reported on Biden's tax returns. But Hunter, there's actually a paper that was signed by Hunter Biden that says he was renting it for $49,000 a month. He had access to Biden's garage and to Joe Biden's garage and library and how many of Hunter's friends were in that house. And yet, of course, Biden is cooperating and the FBI is letting him literally get away with murder. All right, let's move on to George Santos as promised. Should he be kicked out of Congress? No, because I don't like that precedent that who's going to decide? First of all, there is no mechanism even to kick him out of Congress. Should he be left off of committees? That's a separate conversation. But I don't like the idea you can have a court. Uh, kick, you know, maybe there there are impeachment options here. But what, you're going to impeach a fellow member of Congress? I mean, once you're going to do that, you got to do it to Elon Omar. You got to do it to AOC. There, there, there are so many corrupt. If you're going to start impeaching corrupt members of the House, it's, it's, it's literally going to be the Wild West. They're just going to be impeaching people left and right. So, no, it makes no sense for a judge. There is there is 
there is an option here, okay? There is a way to remove somebody from Congress. It's called the voters. The voters can elect to vote him out of office. Literally, a, a member of the House, George Santos, is going to be up for re-election in under two years, okay? They have to run for re-election every two years. And, you know, with all the lies and all the fraud and everything else, he made up his entire existence. So the voters have the option, and I suspect that they will. Hopefully, he won't run again, and hopefully a different Republican takes his place. Because New York, the, the, the Republicans in New York are really the ones that, in the end, made the difference in the House because it was so close. The midterms were so much closer than everybody expected. So New York ended up making the difference. So you want Santos replaced by a Republican. But the idea that a judge is going to kick him out of Congress or that McCarthy is going to kick him out of Congress, that's absurd. That just does not happen. Okay, investigations go, you know, get underway. They're going to release all the information about him. And, you know, maybe they'll censure him or whatever you know, me- mechanism they have to deal with this. But you cannot kick him out of Congress, nor should you. You just that, that that has to be something decided by the voters, period. Should we discuss it? OK, should I support him? Should I encourage him not to run for reelection? Absolutely, because he's a disgrace. But uh, the idea and I'm, that's why I'm speaking about him. I have no problem. The fact that he's a Republican, I don't care. I, I will say it over and over again. I don't want George Santos to be in Congress. He's corrupt. He's bad. Now, by the way, Elizabeth Warren made up lies about her history and Biden, I mean, is like a, is like a pathological liar. So once we're going to go there and like disqualify people who lie about their background, I mean, that's it. Like you're going to basically, all right, that's it, guys. Let's knock out the entire Washington establishment. Just drain the swamp and just replace every member. You can, if you're going to replace, you know, how do you know that a politician is lying? Their lips are moving. So, but, but, but I grant you that that haven't been said. Santos is much, much worse than a lot of these others. Okay, I don't know that he's worse than Elizabeth Warren, who who basically took a job in Harvard away from a real minority, claiming that she was Native American, which she did a genetic test. It was a total lie. All right, so, but I do want to mention, but yeah, he should not be on committees. McCarthy did put him on committees. He put him on these very, like, uh, you know, these low-level committees, I don't know, the Small Business Committee and some other, some science committee or something like that. He's not exactly on you know, the judiciary or like, you know, some high profile committee, but I get it. You know, I, I don't think they should have rewarded George Santos, but let me just tell you some of the things, but here's the litmus test. You know, if Ocasio did what George Santos did, would we want her on committees? We would not. So why do we want him on committees? He lied about where he went to high school. He, um, he lied about where he went to college. As far as they know, he only had a GED. There's no evidence that he went to Horace Mann High School in the Bronx, which he said he did. He lied about getting a degree in economics from Baruch College um, they have no record of him ever attending. He lied about working on Wall Street. He claimed that he worked at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, and both companies say they never heard of him, no record of him working there. He claimed that his mother's death was somehow caused by 9-11. There is no evidence that his mother was in the World Trade Center on 9-11. And he claimed that his grandmother was a Holocaust victim and, and that his grandparents survived the Holocaust. And that's a lie. As far as anybody could tell, that's, a, that's a, just an outright lie. He claimed he was Jewish. And he's not Jewish, and he even then said in an interview with, I believe, the New York Post, he said, no, I never claimed that I was Jewish. He said he was he, he, Jewish, not Jewish, whatever nonsense excuse he came up with, but uh, he, he lied. He claimed to be Jewish, and he wasn't, and, and he's not Jewish. And then now there's a report that he stole $3,000 from a GoFundMe campaign, which had been donated to a ver- veteran whose dog was dying. Not sure exactly how that transpired, but I wouldn't, nothing would shock me at this point about George Santos because he is clearly, he's a sociopath. The man is clearly a psychopath and I have no problem admitting it. Republicans can be psychopaths. Okay. Not, probably not as many as Democrats, probably a lot more Democrat psychopaths because that's just how it works. But, uh, yeah, George Santos should be voted out of office. And look, if, if, here's the question. If you only had one 
House member, if like the Republicans were ahead of the Democrats and control the House by one member of Congress, would you kick out George Santos if you if you knew that he was going to be replaced by a Democrat? No, I think you'd probably keep your majority for the good of the country, for you know, for the good of society. But that's not really the issue right now. Kick him off the committees. I have no problem calling him out. He's corrupt. He's a disgrace. That's going to do it for today. And we will see you next time.